Jose, lovely to catch up with you. Jose Baxter of Memphis, Tennessee. There's a there's a there's a nice ring to that. You enjoying yourself over there? I am, mate. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, it's been great so far. Obviously, not the ideal situation. I come here and start of March, uh, start of February, and then start of March, everything turned upside down for everyone. But you know, we've made the best situation out of a bad one, and you know, it's been good so far. Yeah. Have you got your family over there with you? No, mate, no. So the plan was obviously for me to come over here and, you know, get a feel for it. It made sense for me to get the season underway first, get me pre-season out the way and, and then fly the family over. But like I said before, with the pandemic and stuff that's happened, they haven't been able to fly over. How did the move come about? Um, so I was I was just got a, a call off an agent just to say, um, how was your... How's your relationship with Tim Howard? I was like, yeah, great. You know, we got on really well when we played together and, you know, stuff like that. And I always think, especially with the Everton lads, you, you don't need to be on the phone to people every day to, like, you know, have a great relationship with them. They're always there in, the, in your heart and in your head. And um, So I got the phone, phone call off Tim and, you know, literally... As soon as he answered, he, he said, wow, you haven't changed. And, and that was it. It just, it just went from there. He just said, um, Jose Baxter on a free for me is is a no-brainer. Would you fancy it? And, you know, we got talking. And I always had in the back of my mind as that I, I, I'd, uh, I'd go and play abroad. I don't know whether uh, just just through my own self thinking that my my footballing way was more suited to, to abroad. Uh, you know, I'm not the fastest as everyone knows, um, but you know, I just like the, I just lo- love the thought of it. I'd never ever thought America or I never pinpointed a certain country where I'd be, but I always wanted to. And I just thought the time was right. Uh, I needed a, a new challenge. I needed to test myself, and you know, I just, I just thought, why not? How is Tim? He, uh, he won't hang his gloves up, will he? He won't know. Funny enough, I just trained with him a few hours ago, so uh, he was in training, same old laughs as always. And uh, you know, it's just always good times around him. It's it's good to have him around. Still, you know, I'm still learning off him, still speaking to him, still getting good advice off him. And it's good to have someone like that around the club. Know someone who's been there and done it, and can always share their experiences and advice with the young lads. You're playing for Memphis yourself and Tim, which is one step below the MLS. What's the standard like? It's good, you know, Daz. A lot of people, were, a lot of people, when I come over here, was like, "Oh, you'll you'll fly, you'll you know that that league, you'll walk it and stuff like that." And it, it's not the case. I just think people think um, just have this perception that like you go to America and you'll walk the football and it's easy and that, but it, it hasn't been. It's it's good. The standard's good. The teams we've played have all been footballing teams. No one shells it. They all want to play the right way. Um, you know, and, and they're all fit as a fiddle, so it's good. It's a really good test. Uh, you know, results, I'm not sure you've seen. We've lost our first away game and we drew our second away game, which, you know, it tells you that we've got a good squad as well. It tells you that it's not as easy as what people think it is. Let's go back to the beginning then, Jose, when you were on the fringes of the, the Everton first team. I say you were on the fringes of the first team. You were, you were just fresh out of school. You more or less missed the reserves out, didn't you? You went straight from the youth team into the first team squad. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, I remember, I, think I was about, I think 
regardless to, to how it come about and how it went, I, I remember I was about 14 and Jusniff called me up to play for the 18s and I was obviously training with them as well. I was allowed out of school of a Friday morning. I had to go back of a Friday afternoon to train with them and Gary Ablett, God rest his soul, was our manager at, at the time and it was great. I, I, I loved it. Um, you know, they, they learned me a, a lot of things sometimes, you know, my uh, school uniform getting left in puddles before I had to go back to school was one of the things they learned me, but <laughs> it wasn't was great. And, um, I, I become a man there um, at a young age. I really grew up quick and you had to, to survive really. And um, I played a couple of games for Taff and Stubbsy and stuff like that. And then I remember going down and training on Formby Beach. I was about 15 at the time. And uh, Phil Hewitt, I don't know whether you remember Phil, the strength and conditioning yeah. coach, Phil. Yeah. He was telling yeah. me to slow down on the sand dune runs. And I thought, I'm not that fast, Phil. Like, everyone knows that. Uh, if anything, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to get the XER the pace. But, um, and then he pulled me at the end and sort of said to me, listen, the first team want you to go away with them. And, and that was the start of it, really. Started training with them then. And obviously, my debut came at 16, which... It was a dream come true for me. Just we just rewinded a, a month or so before your debut. I remember that goal you scored against Nottingham Forest, which was your first goal in the senior team. Did you, when you popped that in, did you think to yourself, "I can cope with this. This is easy." You know what? As a, a lot of people ask you, then a lot of people say, you know, when you were there, when you were there, would you think? I, I never ever looked. Uh, I don't know whether it was the right thing or the wrong to thing to do I never ever looked too far ahead I just took each training session as if it was my last um, you know I was there with some unbelievable players and that's so all I was always get kept on my toes it was never a case of oh, I've had a good game I, I've cracked it now and because you know you get judged on years and years of football and you know doing it consistently not just one training session or one pre-season game but that was a special moment, yeah. Obviously, like you said, joining up with them and then people think, oh, it's only pre-season. If you watch my celebration, I thought that was the FA Cup final. <laughs> I, that's, how much it, that's how much it meant to me. And uh, It wasn't a bad goal, though, to be fair, was it? It was all right. Funny enough, I was speaking to the, the chairman about four weeks ago on, uh, on text and he, we were actually talking about that. He brought it up that, uh, you know, he'll never forget that day and it's a day I'll never forget either. Did you feel under any pressure at the time? Because some young players come from nowhere into the first team picture and no one's heard of them. But the likes of yourself and then Jack Rodwell and Ross Barkley, supporters were aware of who you were before you were even in the first team squad. Does that add to, is that a lot of pressure for a, for a young boy fresh out of school? I suppose it must be. Um. Yeah, I think some some of it come while I, I was in school and stuff. And, it, yeah, I'd be a liar to say no. There was a little bit, yeah, obviously. You know, with Wayne coming through not long before me and then the comparisons and stuff like that. And it, it was... It, I wouldn't say it was tough, but because I was too young to... You know, you know, when you're young, you, you're under a mile an hour. I never could really sit down and think about the pressure. But looking back, pro probably a little bit, yeah. They, Sometimes you just like to, you know, play your footy and get on with it and you don't want to get compared to anyone or any pressure. And I heard Rashford the other day talking about Greenwood saying, you know, just let him play his football and don't be putting any pressure on him. And I, th I think that's the right thing to, to, to do is not try and put too much pressure on these young lads because it's a lot to take.
Mm. Can you remember what was going through your mind at Goodison Park when we had Blackburn Rovers on the, the first day of the season and, and David Moyes said, right, Nuno Valente's coming off and you're going on? Honestly, that's right. I'd be a liar if I said, yeah, I couldn't. I, that, that whole day for me was just a, a bit of a blur, apart from the header, what Jag swung in with his left foot and you know Paul, uh, Paul Robinson at the time couldn't quite get there. And I, I think I hesitated for a little split second thinking he was getting there and then obviously was too late for the header and headed it over the bar. I, I still have nightmares over that now. But <laughs> it was the week later, it was my debut, what, what I seemed to be you know, remembered like it was yesterday. That was the one that so always stuck in my mind and I remember near enough everything that happened the night before to, you know, the game itself and that was the one for me. That was your first start against West Brom at the Hawthorns, wasn't it? When did you find out you were playing? It was the night before. Um, you know, we used to go obviously travel down the night before to the away games and obviously Moisey used to do his team talks the night before, either before or after dinner. I remember this time it being after dinner, so obviously the long journey, training in the morning, having dinner, you're a bit full, and the meeting, the lights go off and stuff like that, and I uh, I thought it was time to switch off then in terms of, you know, have a little five, ten minute snooze while he tells the start and 11 what they're going to do and stuff like that, and I just remember him saying, and on the left, Jose, and it, it it soon woke me up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I never had my phone on me at the time. I don't think my feet touched the stair on the way up back to my room and phoned my dad. And, you know, it was like, it was a teary moment for me. I suppose it was for my dad, but he didn't want to show it on the phone as well, just to maybe calm my nerves. But, you know, it's something that I dreamed of from a kid and, you know, a club I absolutely love. And, uh, you know, I was starting for them. It was. It was a dream come true. Was your dad planning on going to the game anyway at West Brom? Yeah, yeah, he always did. My dad, my dad never, any time I was in the squad, he never, ever missed a game for the simple reason. You just never knew what had happened. If I come on the pitch for 30 seconds, I knew it would make his day, you know, like his son come on to play for, yeah, you know, a, a team he's been at since the age of six and in the, in the Premier League. He loves his footy anyway, so, you know, it, I can probably count on one hand how many games you actually missed in my whole career, which I'm, I'm very grateful and lucky for, really. What was it like for you being on tour with the first-team squad? You, you you went to America, I was there with you. You, you, you had James Wallace with you at times, but 16, 17, 18-year-old lads on tour in America with Everton Football Club with, as you've said, some big, big characters. You had no choice but to grow up quickly, did you? We were lucky because we had a... I look back, we had an unbelievable dressing room. Um, I look back, like, we had Ibo, we had Ozzy, we had Tim, we had, we had Tim Howard, and, you know, even Mikel to a certain extent was a leader. We had Bainsey. And they, they all put you intact. Not that we had ever, you know, even Phil Neville, who have uh, never think the other day, I found that when he come, he changed the whole structure of the club, really. I found that is professionalism and everything was second to none, which, you know, as a youngster looking up and someone where they'd been and came from, it was, you had to grow up quick, really. You know, we, you got the stick, you had to give the stick out, but it was always a respectful way. You would, we never crossed the line. 
you'd get kicked, you'd have to kick people back. You know, it was it was it was a case of that. You you had to grow up quick because you looked at these people who were playing in front of you, and if you weren't doing that, what they were doing, there was no chance you were getting ahead of them. So we did. We had to grow up quick. And also, if you play football on Merseyside for for Everton. 16, 17, 18, it doesn't matter how old you are, you instantly become one of the most recognisable people in the city. And I had this conversation recently with Jack Rodwell. It was a little bit different for Jack because he was out of the city. He was Birkdale, Southport way. Was, was there a support mechanism in place? Did anybody take you to one side and say, listen, Jose, you, you, your world's changed now. Every time you go to town shopping or every time you go over the door, you're going to get recognised. Was there, was there a support in place to, to help you deal with that? Um, there wasn't no, and I always talk now, and that's something that I think would be great for the game. Just, just like you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone like for anything that that's happened for me off off the pitch. You know, I've always held my hand up and said that's me, you know, hundred percent. But I do think that these young kids now are getting substantial amounts of money and getting recognised and getting a lot of fame and stuff, and I think that they need to be more intact for them to. Even even with the money situation, listen, you can you get your wages, but you have this certain amount a week. You get that that put away what you can't touch. Like you said, your world's going to change. You're going to have X, Y, and Z who might latch onto you. You you need to be wary of where you're going, who you're going with, what time you need to be in. And I think I think I think definitely now clubs have have sort of got that in intact in a little bit better than when we was younger, but. I wish I was from Southport when I look back, does and uh, <laughs> could get out of that town, get out of that town a little bit more. Because, like I said, it, it, it's it's just everything that comes with it. You you start thinking you're invincible as a young kid, and you know I was. I don't know whether you can swear on here, but you can imagine what I was going to say. I was the biggest bleep, should we say? Uh, looking back, and you know sometimes it breaks me out looking back, thinking you know what was you doing? Look what you could have had. And, and stuff like that for the club who I started off where I was six, I could have, you know, become not really anything, but I could have really, but mm. stupid stuff of my own stopped me. I always think as well, uh, in, the, in the city of Liverpool, you have to, if you're in the public eye, I would imagine in this city, you have to, you have to be very careful, don't you, who, who you choose as friends. Yeah, well, it's it's only when you you get older you you, you realise like I always remember, always remember my mum. My mum used to say, "They're not your friends." Lies to say, "Shut up, mum, no chance." And then when sort of stuff hits the fan, you start realising and you you start going to them and you're like, you know what, mum, you were right, and you know you should always listen to people who've been there and done it, and you know the older generation who've probably seen all that before. And, I've got a couple of family members who play professional football and, you know, so I suppose that, you know, our family's probably seen little bits of that and was just trying to warn me and a stupid, young, naive me sort of didn't listen. You just mentioned Phil Neville there before and the level of professionalism that he brought to the football club. Even from our perspective on the media side, he was the consummate professional footballer. But at the time, you were a... You were an 18-year-old boy from Bootle. Did you used to look at Phil Neville and think, he's too straight, I don't want to be like Phil Neville. I want to be a little bit more of a maverick. Do you know what, Daz? No. The, the, from the minute he come in, he, I, I, I seen a prof- he was 20 minutes out before everyone. He was 
I, I, I even remember some of the away European games and like you said, some of the um, tours where we'd be on the plane and Phil would be doing side side shuffles or jogging up and down the plane with a bottle of water in his hand. And that's the extremes he used to go to. He used to get up every 45 minutes on flights and go for a stretch, go for a light jog up and down a plane. And i just seen a different professionalism. And by the way, he's one of the funniest fellas I ever come across in football. He knew when to have a laugh and when not to. And, and that's what was so good about him. But no, for sure, definitely. I, I, I looked up to him as if, like, yeah, I, I want to be like him. Um, but like I say, the actions speak louder than words. And it was all right me saying I'd like to be like him. I just never, ever done it. What was your relationship like with David Moyes? I I um I like Moisey as a fella. Honestly, like I don't have a bad way to say to say about him. Um, my reasons for obviously parting ways with the club was the fact that I just thought I wasn't given a fair chance. I had first team lads who was going in all the time for me, arguing for me. I felt like I was training really well and just not really getting a chance. Um, went out on loan. Really enjoyed me football. Uh, got a got a lot of first team action and what it was like to actually play first team football week in week out and got called back after three months to then only be used as a substitute for 15 minutes against City the whole year and I was like well the club wanted to I wanted to Tammy wanted to keep me out on loan and it was just some just little stuff like that where I thought you know like I don't know whether he was just trying to um you know, protect me, but he just said, I just don't want you to forget you're an Everton player, which, you know, I never would have forgot that. I knew where, you know, which side my bread was buttered on. And I just wanted a, a fair crack at the whip, should we say, and I don't think mm. I got it. When you decided that it wasn't going to happen for you at Everton, you, you, you signed for Oldham, which is a fantastic football club, and I know it's a football club you still got a lot of affection for, but did you think it was a gamble? Did you think it, it was a little bit, you were going too far down the ladder? Yeah, um, I do. I, I do. I do think it was a gamble. Yeah, um, when it's in, when you look at the fact that we were Oldham was in League One. Yeah, being honest, without being big-headed, I thought I, I might have got some sort on a little bit higher up. Uh, should we say? But it was it was a it was a gamble. But I just wanted to play football. I trained Monday to Friday. That's to play on a Saturday at three o'clock, and that's what I loved. I. I Although I was round an unbelievable first team, I hated sitting in the stands on a Saturday. It killed me. Um, and I just wanted to get out there and play football. I think I've publicised it before. I, I signed there for 10% of what I was on at Everton. Money was never, ever a, a case of it for me. I just wanted to get out there and get games and do what I, I'd loved doing since I was six. I always trusted in my own ability that I might get back there one day with, you know, with my own ability. So... Uh, it was just a case of getting out and getting games and maybe prove to people that I can I can can do it. The move to Sheffield United was a great move for you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, I remember playing them for Oldham and the captain was running by me and he said, "Listen, he said you you know you're a great player. Would you would you sign for us? We could do do for you." And at the time they were in and around the playoffs, they bought a massive following down to Oldham and. It looked like a well. Obviously, I knew Sheffield United were. It just looked like a proper club, um, and it it swayed me a little bit 
when he said that to me. Michael Doyle, it was. I'll never forget it. During and the game? I, during the game, it was, yeah. He was like, <laughs> um, would you sign for us? Be the way they're beating us 2 0. We've got about 7,000 people behind the, behind the goal and the third in the league. I thought, um, let me think about that one. <laughs> um, but we, we, we parted ways with Paul Dickhoff, which, you know, was. Sad for me, a fella who bought me there and I, I had a great relationship with and all that. So then come to the end of the season, Chef United had put a bit of a big bid in and um in the club I think the club needed the money at the time. They bought a new manager in and for me it was just the, the right time to go and yeah, it, it was. It was a good move. I I think up until obviously me off field stupidity. I, I I was having a great time there. I was playing really good football. Scoring goals and you know we were doing well. You were there with David Weir, weren't you? That's right. Well, it was actually David Weir who signed me, yeah. Um, and then it's, it's such such a hard time for him, really, because I've never been in a team or dominated football matches so much and and come away with a loss. And for the first seven games, that was the case. And unfortunately for him, the the chairman didn't really give him any time and. The, the fan base was putting a bit of pressure on the chairman and, you know, we, he he obviously got sacked and Nigel Clough come in. The 2014 FA Cup semi-final at Wembley must have been a good experience. Yeah, uh, we, we knocked some big hitters out. We went to West Ham away, we went to Villa away, we beat um, Forest, if I remember rightly. We, we, we went on a great run. Uh, for a League One team, I always look back at that. If we would have beat Hull, I don't, I'm not sure many people know this, but we would have went into Europe because Arsenal were already in the top four. And obviously the the next team who, who comes in the FA Cup will get into Europe. So a League One team who would have been in Europe would have been, I'm sure, mm. probably first time in, in history. But it was it was an unbelievable run we went on. And um, we had a great team, to be honest, in League, in league One, Daz. And... I think he was a bit hard done by because he got sacked not long long after that himself, Cluffy. When you watch Sheffield United now in the Premier League, some of the players that you played alongside have, have gone through the whole journey with Sheffield United and now playing in the Premier League. Is there, a, is there a bit of sadness for you, Jose, when you watch the games involving Sheffield United? I'm a, little bit of, a little bit of you must think, do you know what, that could be me. So sad, sadness for me, certainly not for the, not not for the, the the lads or the club. Absolutely over the moon for the lads and the club. Um, but for myself personally, yeah, you know, obviously I was due to sign a a decent long term deal there just before my off field uh, stupidity, should we say, happened. So yeah, there's always a, a sadness there, but you know, it can't, it, it's a sadness that I have only through myself and no one else. The fact that, like I said before, I was young and very stupid so looking at them now I think will look what could have been but I suppose you can dwell on your past and just got to look forward to the future Sheffield United is where it started to go a little bit awry for you but you were never you were never a bad lad you were never a danger to society it was just a case quite literally and, and I know you've owned up in the past wrong decisions bad decisions wasn't it yeah honestly uh, can never ever put my finger on why or why like never never in, in in my life has that ever crossed my mind and this one night it did and you know it turned my world upside down I was, like you said I wouldn't you know like to think 
I was a bad lad. I still speak to everyone who, who I've always played with and, you know, I speak to everyone at, at the club and, you know, I don't don't uh, think that that many people and, you know, people of really good statues would keep in touch with me if they thought I was a bad lad. I was just a normal lad off a council estate who, who, who you know, if a normal, you know, let's say a bricklayer or something like that would have, would have made that mistake, it wouldn't have got talked about but the fact of the matter I, I was in the public eye and uh, that's where you said before did anyone ever put their arm around you and tell you your life's going to change I suppose you know I just thought I was young and invincible and obviously I wasn't and like I said it certainly did turn my life around. I know you're full of self-reproach at the time and you, and, and you blame nobody but yourself but you obviously had to then face the music from various people in your life how how tough was it to to face your dad, Jose, because as you said, he, he was the, he was there from the start. So, so the likes of me, 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 uh, me, me family that that was that was a, a tough one. Obviously, my girlfriend's family and that as well. You'd always think like, um, you know, what what are these going to think? How are they going to think of me now? And uh, it was it was it was I was quite privileged, really, dad, because they all sort of. Just put their arm around me and and said everyone makes mistakes and you know you can't dwell on it you you've done this since you were six and you know you got to deal with the consequences what you've been given and and and, and crack on when when it's time to crack on and um, it it was it was tough it was tough in terms of it, like that was my structure every single day since I was six my dad taking me to train and obviously when I was fifteen and and I sort of went pro it was everyday thing for me to sort of not have that in my life anymore and not allowed to train with a team for two years that that was like the big wow like where do we do now what do where do we go what do we do type thing and that 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 was the hardest part because you know me me loved ones around me were even you know peter mack my agent he was great he was absolutely great for me which you know i can't thank the likes of him and stuff and you know, my girlfriends in the uh, family and my mum and dad, like, like if they, I think if they would have turned on me, I would have been a lot worse for me. But the fact of the matter, they showed me a bit of love. You know, obviously you get the likes of your mum, your dad, your nan, your stupid get, you know, obviously stuff like that. And, um, you know, that's, that's enough. You know, when the likes of your nan or your dad are saying you stupid get, that's enough to make you realise, you know, what I've done is wrong. But, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have more love than hate around me. You reached your lowest point and then, then the real Jose Baxter came forward, didn't it? And one morning you just got up and you said, right, bring it on. I'm going to fight this now. I'm going to, I'm going to win this. I'm going to beat this. Yeah, it was, yeah, because like, I was low. I was, I was low. I was uh, in my bedroom at time for three, four days, just in darkness. Just, you know, like I said, my whole world got flipped upside down and, it was tough to take, um, but one day I just woke up, I went to peak performance gym in Liverpool, and it was the best thing I ever done. Um, I met some unbelievable lads, some really positive lads, Tom Farrell, Thomas Christian, um, Clark and, and Mark, the coaches there, and, and honestly, it was, it was the best thing I could have done. Um, I just started going every day then, and what that brought to me was that routine, what I've always had in my life. It was. It just brought that back, and um, I just started loving it. I, the more I was getting fitter, the more I was getting a little bit more confidence back, and and then 
obviously the famous phone call from the chairman came and <laughs> then it went from being on death's door to cloud nine in a space of 10 minutes. Just remind me where you were when the chairman rang you, Jose. I don't like to say this because I'm talking about how fit I was and how good I was doing, but I'm not a liar. I was in the chi- I was in the chippy and uh, heightened so <laughs> so chippy it was, and uh, it's it's uh, Cindy uh, Cindy's family's favourite chippy, and it was a uh, I'll never forget. It was a Friday night, and that was sort of that was the cheat night, and uh, I got a phone call off an unknown number. I took my phone out and I looked down at my phone and said, Cindy, Cindy, wonder who that is. She just answered it. And I don't really normally answer it with old numbers, but someone was just telling me to answer it. And I answered it and it was the chairman and, I, and the phone call was just right in my head. Now he said, uh, I said, hello. And he just said, it feels like only yesterday we spoke, doesn't it, son? They were his words and I knew. And I hadn't spoke to him for, uh, let's say, for four years or so, I knew the minute he opened his mouth, it was him. And I just said, Chairman, how are we? And he said, yeah, I've read an article and, you know, I wonder why you left in the first place and, you know, you were me blue-eyed boy and stuff like this. And if, I, if anyone could turn your career around, I'd like to be the man to do it for me, for you. And I just honestly couldn't eat one bit of me dinner. And uh, I just sat on the couch. I was in shock. I was telling Cindy's dad. We went back to Cindy's parents. I phoned my dad. I was like, you know. So uh, so from there, I obviously kept talking to him and stayed in contact. And I thought it was just a case of going back and using the facilities to get fit and try and get a club. And never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that I'd have been allowed back there for the year. And it was honestly, I should still pinch myself now to think how lucky I was and how, how kind of a gesture that was. And that's something that I'll take to my grave what that man done for me. People always say about Everton and it's the people's club, and it, it really is. Like every single person who's been touched by Everton, like they realise, they, they know what it is. If, if you played for Everton at under 16s and you, you were going through an hard time, I can guarantee you someone from that club will reach out to you. It's mm. it's it's an unbelievable club. It's a phenomenal club. I I just wish in the future I can all I can try and somewhere along the line give a little bit back to you know just as a thank you. I don't feel like I I got to with any potential on the pitch. So I, I I'd love to do that. When you went back to Finch Farm. Were you nervous at all? Were you did we were you did you go back to finish farm not really knowing what sort of reception you'd get? I was terrified, Daz. Absolutely terrified. And um I was, I remember my first day and I am um, if you remember me when I was there, I was sort of a confident, like you know, I wouldn't say cocky, but I'd I'd you know, I'd give as much as I'd get and I was you know, I'd always be not the class clown but the loud one. I'd, I'd always you know say hello to everyone and I'd like to think I was a bit of a happy soul around the place but when I went in I was a scared little boy I honestly was and I was going into an under 23 dressing room as like a 24 25 year old by the way and I was scared I was wondering what what everyone who was still there would think about me would they think I was a bad lad now and everyone just welcomed me with open arms from day one and just took that whole big weight off my shoulders and it, it was unbelievable welcoming 
I think I think it went back to your first time around because, as you said, you were you were you were you were a bundle of fun when you were there, but you were never a big time Charlie. You're always just one of the lads, and I think that held you in good stead to when you came back because we all knew what we were getting. We we knew exactly what we were getting when you came back. Yeah, I don't think uh, I, I was ever in the position to to be a big time Charlie. At the end of the day, we just kick a bag of air about which. You know, every, everyone has their own potentials and everyone has their own strengths. Ours is just watched by a little bit more people. There's no no need. And I hate to see it when someone says he was big time or he was this, like, or, or about other people. I think there's, there's no need to be. Like, you know, we're normal people who have got a little bit of a talent at playing football and, and that's it. There's no need to think you're better than anyone else. And, it, yeah, it was just, it was, it was great to go back and, Unzi, I've got a big, give a big mention to because you know he was he was always there through through me going to help out with Henry Mooney at the community and more or less every day staying in touch with Unzi and then having the meeting with Denise and they become like a mother and father figure to me like I, I had some really good meetings and really honest meetings with them like before I came back I sat down and put all my cards on the table and told them where I went wrong how I went wrong and um, I just got given a plain piece of paper and a fair chance what everyone else what everyone else was given, and I can't thank them. But I can't thank them enough. When you got your feet under the table again back at Finch Farm, did you quite enjoy being a senior player amongst the under twenty threes? I did, yeah, because I sort of I tried to take me negative into a positive and share my experience with the lads and sort of. Try not to get them to go down that road, like you said before, uh, about anyone putting their arm around. You know, I would like to think that I, I was that type of person to put my arm around a few of the lads, and you know, if they were ever down, if they ever got picked for a game, or sort of tell them that I'd been through that myself, and you know, this is what you should do, or if you were doing well, keep going. You know, the first teams are, are only there, and keep pushing, and you know, stay in as much as you can. Don't don't do what I do, and. I'd like to think I turned it into a, a positive, still keeping contact with a lot of the lads there as well, which tells me that hopefully I had a little bit of a effect on them. I'm sure you did. And then Oldham Athletic came calling again. What was it like to work with Paul Scholes, Jose? He was unbelievable. Once I say, my mate sent me an article in the Mail Online saying that Scholes, he could be offered the, the Oldham job. And I was just like, wow. Because, like, you know, I'd... I'd I, I I love football. I I just love it, and I, I appreciate really really good players and you know just proper footballers. And I was privileged enough. Obviously, you know I had Davy Weir, I had Paul Dickoff, I had Nigel Clough, and um, you know Scolzi coming. And, and these were all proper players who you know you look back and you think yeah they 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 could play soccer. Soccer. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he came in and he was brilliant from his first meeting. He just had that touch of class about him. He wasn't a shouter at all. He didn't need to say anything. He just upped the standards of his presence being there. And uh, obviously he joined in in a few training sessions. And my God, he could have he could have still played. He was unbelievable. Uh, his technique, his vision, everything about him. And he's another one who's still, you know, I, I keep in touch with him. He sends me the odd message now and then, and I, I do with him, and he's just an um, unbelievable fella. Have you thought about coaching yourself? 
at any point? Uh, I, I never ever did, Daz. And uh, and I walked into the meeting with Unzi when the lads were getting the new contracts and, and that. And again, another very honest conversation. Me, John, Ebrill, Unzi, and Franny. And I said, listen, like, I I, I thank you enough. Like, I, I had a, about four or five injuries in the one year where my body was just knitting back together off, you know, having so long out. I didn't couldn't really get going. And, I just said to Unzi, I feel like I'm standing in young kids' ways. You know, I have my chance and I'm so privileged the fact that you've brought me back and I can't thank you enough. And although, like, he may be another year here, like, I feel like I need to get out and play men's footy. He totally respected that. He said, I think you need to be playing men's football and stuff too. So that was great. And Franny, Franny said a comment, what will always stick with me. And he said, Joe. He said, take your badges because you're going to be an unbelievable coach. And they all agreed. And I never, ever thought about coaching until then. And whether that, like you said before, whether that was something to do with putting my arm around the lads or coaching them in training and giving them bits of advice, what they've seen, something that, that I never. And ever since that day, I went out of there thinking, I don't know whether it was just a confidence booster, but I just thought I'm going to be a top coach. And, you know, I study now, study loads and read books, watch games, take little notes myself. And, yeah, it's something that uh, I'm really interested in now, yeah. I had a conversation recently with Tim Howard and I asked him how you were getting on and, and, and he said, Jose's been outstanding. He's a, he's a leader on the pitch. That must be nice to hear. It is, yeah, and recently we've just uh, been given a, a leader group and I, I'm a part of it, which is a big privilege for me. Anytime, you know, people see that or people call, call you that, it's a, it's a privilege, the fact that they think you can, you know, lead 11 fellas out on, on a pitch. And, you know, it's for me, wherever I've been, if anyone, that, that's always been a goal of mine, whatever club I've been at or, you know, whatever... Wherever I've been, I've always dreamt of getting the getting the armband for a game. Even if it's for a game, it's just it's just something to think that you know that manager respected you to give you that. And uh, I don't think you can take things like that like lightly in terms of getting the armband. It's a big big thing for me. And so to be called a leader is you know is something that you know all all captains and stuff get called. So it's it's a privilege to be to be called. You seem to be in a really good place at the moment, Jose. You seem to really be enjoying your life over there. I am, yeah, I am. Does like I said, um, you know, st- still, uh, still, sort of, you know, getting, getting used to at the minute being being on my own, not 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 seeing the baby or nothing since February. But I find like I'm mentally in a good good place in terms of I've come out of me me dark sides and I've literally worked really hard at sort of getting mentally right and you know I, I am a mayor I feel like I'm, I've become tougher I've become more mature and you know I'm still not perfect I'm still I'm still learning every day and you know the only thing I can do is is try my best every day in terms of to get better I still speak to you know like I said Tim I'm on the phone most days with Tim Cahill as well and I just just try and take advice off off you know Good, good people, and um, just try and get that a little bit better each day, guys. What other Americanisms have you got in the locker apart from soccer? You're you, you on your cell phone at the moment. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of people say y'all. That always sticks. Y'all, uh, y'all, okay. Instead, <laughs> I, I use okay or 
that's what we'd say. A lot of them say y'all okay, which uh, there's only there's only normally two of us, me and me mate Keanu, who are walking down the street, and they'll say y'all okay after turning around to see who else is with us. But <laughs> Jose, absolutely brilliant to catch up with you. I'm so delighted you're doing well. You're looking well. All the best for the rest of the season. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, mate. Pleasure to see you. Thank you very much.